Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. film podcast where we talk about movies and shows that we watched we are your hosts i am randy here with zilla manila but you can just call me rodan and we are going to be discussing godzilla king of the monsters today all hail the king all hail him all hail him um i didn't vote for him but i guess for kings and monarchs you don't really have a voting system here no so. it's it's like game of thrones you do trial by combat and then if you win, you're the king. That's how it works. Yeah, it really is a lot of Game of Thrones rules. Like a lot of Game of Thrones Marvel-esque inspirations there. Um, but yeah, we're pretty much just going to talk about Godzilla today. Uh, we'll start it off with our non-spoiler overview of how we felt about the movie. Then we'll dive into spoilers for Godzilla King of the Monsters. Um, so just to jump right into this, um, Zilla Manila, a.k.a. Rodan, Thoughts for Godzilla, King of the Monsters? I'll be honest, man. I've always been a huge Godzilla fan. Used to watch all the movies when I was a kid on the Sci-Fi channel. Um, it's okay if we say Sci-Fi on this podcast, right? I, yeah, I'll it's accept okay. it. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, it, whatever. But always a huge fan. Always loved the idea of giant monsters destroying Tokyo and fighting each other as a kid. And having seen the trailers for this movie, it looked absolutely spectacular. And I was not disappointed. I'm not going to say it was a world-ender movie. It, was, uh, it wasn't amazing. It had its flaws. But I went into it expecting a very simple thing. I wanted a very simple thing. I just wanted to see monsters clash and fight in the most spectacularly looking way possible. And that's exactly what I got. So without giving too much away initially, my non-spoiler review... I went, in, I went into it thinking, I just want to see giant monsters fight. And it didn't disappoint in that, uh, in that aspect. Everything was visually just stunning, absolutely beautiful. And this is going to sound pretty crazy, man, but I'm actually going to go back. I want to watch it again because it's just one of those movies that would look better in 3D for me. I'm really not a fan of the 3D format, but that particular movie looks like it'll be so much better in 3D. So I'm definitely going to go back to watch it in that format, but... For me, it didn't disappoint. Not a perfect movie, but all hail the king, baby. I love Godzilla. It was a great movie in, in that aspect. What about you, man? All right. Hey, those are great attitudes. Um, I do not share those thoughts. Not all of them, at least. Um, I did try to go in with just like a baseline. Monsters are going to fight. Hopefully, they give us monsters. Um, I think my biggest problem with the first um, rendition of the 2014 Godzilla movie is that there was not enough monsters fighting. Um, Godzilla was held back way too much. Um, like, you know, they, you know, spoilers for Godzilla, the 2014 one. But, you know, not only did they kill off Brian Cranston within 20 minutes, but I feel like we didn't really see Godzilla until the last 20 minutes. So it was like the worst of both worlds for that first one. So I, I will say I like this movie more than a 2014 Godzilla one. And we do have some pretty great shots of these monsters just terrorizing things. Just 
there are some wide shots in there that I still think about where it's just like flame and electricity and storm clouds just taking up the huge screen. And they're pretty, you know, just grilled in my brain at this point, just those visuals. Um, but beyond that, besides some decent monster fights, man, like I, I could I could care so less. Like, I, I don't think I could care less about the plot that was revealed in this movie. It It just didn't make much sense. The human characters were pretty empty. Uh, I didn't know what anyone was really doing. I felt like some of the main characters didn't really have anything to do. They had one, like, they had some characteristics introduced early on, and then they're like, eh, you're just going to use you as a vehicle to introduce all these monsters, which is fine, but they had such a large cast, and the cast was pretty good in terms of the talent they had at their fingertips, but they gave most of them nothing to do. So it's hard to get invested on that level. And then even with some of the monster stuff, um, it, it was just hard for me to get invested when it. I, I just felt like sometimes Godzilla had his own little um, motives that weren't really clear beyond like, I guess I don't want to always kill humans, but we'll we'll see. We'll get more into that in, in spoilers, but... Yeah, it's it's weird. Even the monsters lore, I, I felt some of the lore was pretty good. Like some of the world building, they had they went in some new directions, but eh, it wasn't really that interesting. Um, but I will say, like some some of the main monster fights, I think people got what they paid for in terms of trying to see some almost like fan fiction level monsters clashing together that people have always wanted to see with this level of um, technical prowess in the production. Since, you know, the early 1900s. And I think people got that. We got definitely the legendary monster clashes here. So on that level, I like the monster visuals. I like some of the fights. Um, but w without, like, at least a, a decent or average narrative plot line for me to follow. Or at least, like, some good human interactions that I can, you know, invest in. Um, I, I was mostly disconnected from the movie. But I'm, I'm glad it looked great. I'm glad they actually got weight. I felt like this movie was the answer to the criticism of the first movie, where the first one was like, where are the monsters? And this one's like, God, there's so many monsters. All right, cool. Um, so, you know, surface level popcorn background movie, it could probably suffice for that kind of summer blockbuster. Um, but felt it was very average at best. Um, I would give it probably a 6 out of 10 if I were to rate this movie. Um, but but I'm glad you liked it even, even more, Alex, because... I, I'm I'm still I still want to see Godzilla versus King Kong. I'm still invested in that 2020 movie release, so I want this movie to do well, so we can get an even even better um, conclusion to the Godzilla slash King Kong series, if that is going to be a conclusive entry. Well, man, I'm just a simple man with you know simple simple enjoyments in life. I I see giant monsters fighting, and that's enough for me. Um, I will say that's this: fair. I did mention it wasn't a perfect movie. I agree with you. Characters were really superficial. None of them really contributed anything to the plot except for, I guess, uh, Millie Bobby Brown's mom, whatever that character's name was. See, I can't even remember the, the characters' names. That's how forgettable they were. Yep, I, I, I don't uh, know any of their names. I know Godzilla, some of the monsters. That's about it. Yeah, and you know, that's really all that matters in a Godzilla movie. Everything else is just ancillary. It doesn't really matter. But I could totally see why people would get annoyed with that. I started to get annoyed after a while because... Every other line that came out of a human character's mouth had something to do with, like, 
oh, uh, it's uh, it's herd mentality or it's a symbiotic relationship. It, it, it was all just verbal. It was too verbose. Everything was just, everything that was said didn't sound like natural dialogue. It just sounded yeah. uh, like they needed to move the plot forward. So these characters were just going to spew everything for the entire movie. Yeah, they, they're but, pretty much meat exposition pouches. That's how I felt all the humans were. Exactly. Uh, But I will say this. I enjoyed it for what it was in terms of the monster battles. Like you said, that was a huge problem with the first Godzilla. The first Godzilla, oh man, don't even get me started. Just terrible. Absolutely awful. They they did my boy Heisenberg wrong in that movie. I mean, Brian Cranston was just criminally underused in that movie. And they, they used him in the trailer to hype up that whole movie. And it was just... Uh, you know what? I'm like, we're not reviewing that movie. Yeah. That movie doesn't yeah. exist. We, we got to let it go. But, we got to let it go a little bit. Yeah. It, you know, it happened, uh, what, five years ago now? It, it, it's yeah. time to move on. We got this one now. But, uh, you know, first of all, man, shame on you. Didn't like the human characters. How dare you hate Millie Bobby Brown? How dare you? I uh, I wish I liked her, too. They gave her nothing to do until, like, the last ten minutes. Um, yeah. Beyond she that, had she that, was uh, kind of crying that, in her room. She she had that Stranger Things vibe to her in this as well. I think that's why they cast her. Yeah, I mean, every time she she, she had to act, every time she had to really act in this movie, I was invested. Like, damn, all right, she got the chops. But they, man, they gave her so little to do, so little. Um, same with the the main male character. I forget the character's name. Um, but I felt he wasn't needed at all either. Only the mom had an actual purpose, and her purpose was kind of stupid. But you know, at least I understood what she was doing. It, it, it sort of it actually didn't make much sense. But at least I understood the nonsensical things she was doing. She was a woman scorned, Randy. She lost her. Oh wait, no, we can't say anything. This is the spoiler-free version of the section of this podcast. But uh, yeah, completely agree with you there. And. Man, I don't think anything else needs to be said about that part of it. Shall we get into the spoilery territories? What do you think? What do you say? Yeah, we can jump into spoilers. I'll say, did this movie um, amp you up for the Godzilla vs. King Kong uh, flick coming out next year? It did. Uh, I don't. I kind of don't know. I forgot your opinion on it, but I really liked Skull Island. Uh, obviously, it was another movie where I wasn't going in expecting amazing acting or well-rounded characters i just wanted to see king kong you know beat some ass which is exactly what we got and we got some samuel jackson action in there too so i was very i was very not whelmed but not overwhelmed whatever the middle ground is between those two but it was it was a fun movie there we go that's what i want to say it was a very fun movie that's what i expect when i watch these types of films and to me it delivered on that that uh that aspect so yeah i'm sufficiently excited about uh, Kong versus Godzilla, kind of weird. I don't really see how Godzilla has any chance against, or I'm sorry, Kong has any chance against Godzilla when he has like atomic breath, and they show a version of him in this film where he when he's on steroids, which yeah, is yeah, so he, much like he's, excess he's radiation. Broken. He's pretty broken. Yeah. He's a nuke. He just becomes like this giant world-ending nuke. But hey, you know, I guess Kong has opposable thumbs and intelligence, and he might be the same size. I don't know, but yeah. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure how they'll pull it off, but I am excited to see it. And just one more thing before we get into the spoilery parts of this podcast. Uh, Michael Daughtry, the director of this movie, I'm just a huge fan of him, no matter what. Uh, because he, he actually directed one of my favorite horror films. 
in, in case you guys are wondering, Randy and I are huge horror film fans. He made a movie back in, I think, 20, 2006 called Trick or Treat. Trick or Treat. Oh, yeah, that movie. Um, yeah, and I, I just have a really, it, it's a guilty pleasure. Mine. It's I think it's a solid film, really stylistic. He also did uh, Krampus, which I know a lot of people didn't like, but I, I respect I like an attempt at like, I like Krampus. yeah, I, I respect an attempt at a seasonal horror movie like that. And I, I thought it was, I thought it was decent. And if I'm not mistaken, he also directed X-Men 2. I could be wrong on that though. But yeah, I, I love that director. I think he does a good job of making movies exciting. Not necessarily amazing Oscar worthy films, but He's, his body of work, I've liked it. So, shout out to Michael Daughtry. Fair enough, fair enough. I feel like you have to be invested in the lore of Godzilla to like this movie. Or at least the idea of monsters fighting. Otherwise, it will have a Transformers movies feel. You know? Like, in theory, if you just like giant robots fighting, then all the Transformers movies should work for you. And in theory, I would like that. I think I like robots fighting, but I haven't really liked any Transformers movie since the first one. Here, Bumblebee was decent. haven't seen it, but those are usually just giant messes of robots fighting. So I can see how King of Monsters could be compared to the Transformers movies in that way. But I will say this movie at least looked way less messy than like Transformers 2 and 3, for instance. Um, so I, I mean, I think I put it at least one, one full point above... Um, Transformers, but I'm still excited for Zilla versus Kong. I like both of those IPs. Um, I used to watch the Zilla movies all the time as a kid, even the original Godzilla versus King Kong movie, which was pretty bad in my memory. I haven't seen it in years, but at, at the very least, the effects for this um, new Kong versus Zilla movie should be fine. So definitely looking forward to it. Um, sound like you you were definitely pleased with it, um, Zilla Manila. I was I was underwhelmed with this movie, but you know my eyeballs got some good action. So um, yeah, we'll just dive into spoilers now, so we can get in depth to um, review Godzilla King of the Monsters, starting now. All right. So just kind of just kind of jumping straight in here. Yeah. Uh, one thing I did enjoy, there was a few little snippets I, I enjoyed, but only because they added to the overall lore, like you said, of the Godzilla uh, universe, which, you know, I, having seen some of the older movies, uh, they kind of drop hints here and there of, of where they're going in terms of story, which I'm excited about. So in terms of the first thing I enjoyed, I would say the fact that they found a way for the humans to be kind of relevant with the device called the Orca. I think it was called the Orca. Yeah, it was the Orca. Um, it's, it was, it's AKA MacGuffin, but yeah, it's it's the Orca. <laughs> MacGuffin, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I enjoyed that they the first few minutes of that film they they have these scientists who find a way to communicate with the Titans, um, which are you know Godzilla and all the other creatures that live in the in the hollow crevices of the Earth. Um, but this character. She is someone who lost her son in the in the Godzilla 2014 movie. And because of that, she made it her life's mission working with the organization that studies these creatures known as Monarch. Um, she wants to find a way to communicate with them and, I guess, control them in a way. 
um, because they show in the first few minutes her finding a way to communicate with Mothra when it's hatching from its larval phase. And uh, eventually she's able to make it docile. But that was the first part of what I enjoyed about that film. What about you, man? Um, I, I, I accepted the orca. Um, I, I, yeah, I just accepted it. I, I like the idea of people being able to um, sort of steer the trajectory of the monsters and what they do. Um, but <laughs> I think my, my problem started in the beginning of the movie where, like, I was sort of, you know, I was kind of cool with the family dynamic they introduced. Um, I don't think they really needed to show um, them losing their son in the old movie. I don't know. I think I, like, that could have saved them two minutes or something. I would have already known that um, in, the, in the very next scene. But I kind of like them in, like, like uh, the daughter, uh, Millie, Bobby's character, is cooking breakfast for the mom. The father seems estranged for some reason. Um, and then they have a little twist there of it not being just a regular home. They actually had, like, some kind of base um, right next to um, the the Mothra facility. So that was kind of cool. But then, <laughs> throughout this movie, I just kept thinking, I think these are, like, the worst parents ever. Like, I just, I kept thinking, it was, just, it was such a weird dynamic of the mom bringing her daughter to the facility of a hatching for the next Titan. I just felt like it was a weird, like, bring your daughter to work day moment that kept having. Um, and then from there, it just, I don't know, it, like, the the motivations I had to stop thinking about more and more because the more I thought about, it, I'm like, well, the, she the daughter probably shouldn't be here, and then they, they started doing the thing where um, whoever played uh, Tywin Lannister in Game of Thrones, I forget the guy's name, but he's the main like villain here. He's like an eco terrorist, and he started killing everyone. But then you realize he like he was working with the mother character the entire time. Not sure if you if you got more of what they were actually doing, but was it her plan the entire time for her um, researchers to get ambushed by this guy's character and shot to death? Even though I don't know, it seemed like she was grueling from that happening. That was I just didn't understand that. I don't know if you could shed more light on that. What was what was happening there? Well, first of all, let me just say, I don't know his giant body of work, or if he has a giant body of work, that actor, but so far, that role in Tywin Lannister, man, this guy just never plays a good guy. Yeah, um, he's good at being according, bad. Yeah, he's good at being bad. That's, that's a great way of putting that. Uh, I will say, I think they said towards the end of the film that it was actually her plan all along, and that she recruited him to help her. Um, enforce that plan and, and release Monster Zero, which is Ghidorah. Um, so I, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Yeah, she she's the the main conspirator there. She's the one who made the entire plan and then just kind of contacts him. I don't know. She probably found his LinkedIn account somewhere. Okay. All right. Um, and just I, yeah. Sent I, him a message. I definitely got. She was like part of like like, she, like they were working together from the beginning. It's kind of it felt kind of weird for her plan to include killing all those people. I guess in her ethos. I mean, essentially, this this movie's, you know, she's the Thanos of of that movie of that world, or you know, people need to be sacrificed for the greater good and some weird balance stuff, which in general I accept. So I you know, I, I guess it's fine if she were to kill some scientists to get to that part. Um, she just had such weird plans though. Just the whole yeah, we'll release Titans, we'll hide in a bunker, then bloody yada yada yada. Uh, balance to the earth, you know, because because reasons. Um, yeah, apparently 
Titans evoke life everywhere they go, I think she said. So, you know, maybe they'll kill everyone in the process. Maybe not, baby. You know, yeah, that's just the dice we got to roll. They deserve to be on the planet science, because uh, firsties. They, they were here first. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, whatever, man. I don't <laughs> care. I want to go back to the monsters fighting. <laughs> I think that was the first part. I started to get detached. At. I was like, oh, God. All right. I got to. Hopefully the monsters are great. Um, but, I mean, I love that first uh, Zilla versus, um, what was it, Ghidorah? Ghidorah, yep. yep. Um, I like that battle because uh, Ghidorah looked fucking terrifying. Just everywhere he went, it was like a storm cloud of lightning and horror. Just, just all up in the screen. Just absolutely frightening. So I, I really liked that first battle. Yeah, I think they did a great job of... Well, okay... I did enjoy a lot of the shots they had in that film to make Ghidorah look intimidating. Uh, I know there's one scene where he's kind of perched on top of the mountaintop or the volcano where Rodan yeah, comes that out. That was of. probably the best shot in the film. Yeah, and then he's like screaming and he's doing the alpha call. And then right below him, there's like a crucifix or a cross. And it yeah. just shows him like above it looking like a devil with three heads. Like the end of days dragon or something like that. But oh, that could be a good name for a Yu-Gi-Oh card. End of days dragon. Anyways, uh, yeah, that was a cool shot, and they did a really good job of making Ghidorah a threat right off the bat, because in the first, like, when they were building up to Ghidorah getting released from the glacier, and Godzilla approaching him to fight him for the first time, they had that little sequence where they're talking about Godzilla glowing, and it's, uh, it's a way of him showing dominance and, you know, his superiority. And then the main character who plays the dad of Millie Bobby Brown's character, uh, he says, oh, he's not putting on an intimidation factor for us. He's doing it for something else. And then that was a great way of hyping up the battle that was to come. So they, they again, do a great job of the monster stuff, which is what I really cared about in this film. Uh, but in terms of everything else, um, yeah. Everything else is pretty horrific, I would say. I will I will say it was horrific. Yeah, um, yeah I don't know what that main character... I, will, I really got to find out that his name. But the, the dad of Millie Bobby's character, I don't think he was needed in the entire movie. I felt like he was, you know, he was like the monster... Um, I don't know, he was like monster phobic. Where he was like, oh, we got to kill all of them. But then it, I felt like immediately he was like, oh, that's, we got to track Godzilla. Um so I felt like he lost that part too. Um, and you know what's unfortunate about that? Yeah. Uh, the part I really didn't... I mean, you're absolutely right. Everything you said, I completely agree. His character really had no purpose other than to, I don't know, serve as a motivation for Millie's character to fight it or go against her mom and rebel and help out at the end. But the thing that's really unfortunate about that is in the interviews he did for that movie... He actually told reporters that he, to prepare for the role, watched every single Godzilla film on a box set to to kind of get the lore and the vibe of how the films were. Oh. And no one else had done that. None of the other actors said they did that. He was the only one dedicated enough to do that, and he was the least significant character. I was going to say, like, which is just, I, I'll, I'll believe he did it, but nothing they gave him to do seemed to say he needed to do that at all. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he had the dedication there. Just there was no outlet for it at all. 
Yeah, I mean that, that definitely seemed like overkill. I feel like, like with, with like uh, the superhero characters, you're trying to get the character just right. I don't think there's any like important human characters in a Godzilla lore that people are reenacting here. So I, I mean, you know, props to him trying to get the tone right, I guess. But you know, I, I didn't feel it. I did not feel it. Uh, work was done. Complete. Good for you, but yeah, movie was but not interested. One in thing, dude. Tell me if you agree with me on this. That scene I mentioned, where Godzilla is kind of he's lighting up his spikes on his tail to, quote unquote, uses an intimidation factor. That reminded me of Pokemon when like their inherent skill is intimidate to like help decrease the attack of the monster. That that's sure. exactly what that reminded me of. I mean, yeah, I, uh, that's that's fair. I felt like the the Mothra coming out of the cocoon felt like an evolution to Butterfree, you know. So, oh, you you're know, right. Has some yeah, Pokemon yeah, yeah. That was like this. At least the second best shot in the movie was Mothra appearing, uh, appearing before the waterfall. That was beautiful. I love that shot. Um, v- yeah. Very angelic. Yeah, absolutely. It was. Just, yeah, it was like this saving grace um, coming to aid Godzilla. Um, but it, I, I guess in terms of monster stuff, I didn't like. I did not like the the Mothra Godzilla team up. Um, in theory, I like it. I like the I like the idea of a tag team match between Titans. That's definitely happened in the Godzilla movies of old. But they just had one throwaway dialogue saying, "This is why they're together," and then they kind of back away from it. I'm like, I I'm not invested in the relationship between Mothra and Godzilla. Like, if if this was introduced before in some capacity, then this could be cool. But we just we don't know anything about Mothra at this point, and then they're just, they're just throwing one or two lines of like it's a symbiotic relationship. It's just something they do. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then when we get to the point of Mothra doing like the sacrificial, I'll get in the way of the lightning blast. I'm like, was I supposed to feel something at that point? Was that was that was that significant? Is Godzilla sad? I I don't know. Um. So you know, if if, if they're gonna bake in. Godzilla has some homies who are just going to always have his back. Uh, you know, make me believe that. I don't think they did that at all. I agree. And to kind of piggyback off of that, I will say Mothra was visually the most beautiful creature. But also, I don't understand why it would be considered queen of the monsters. Mothra didn't really do anything yeah, in the like battles to warrant. The- That's about it. <laughs> yeah. Got some killer curves. That's about it. Uh, yeah. But... Nothing nothing in that movie screamed to me, oh my god, queen of the monsters. She's just as OP as Godzilla. It's like, no, she can spit some web out. Um, one thing I was curious about when Mothra appeared after Godzilla was hit with the oxygen destroyer missile, oh, which I'll get thing. into a little bit later. Yeah. Um, what was it doing? Was it like trying to heal Godzilla with its scales? That wasn't explicitly stated, but if it can do that, then I would understand the whole symbiotic relationship thing more because it can heal Godzilla and Godzilla can keep fighting. But that really wasn't clearly explained. No, not at all. So I'm not, I, like, I thought, I'm not quite I thought sure. maybe that's what it could do. Maybe it could also poison people. I have no idea what the attacks of this Mothra Pokemon was at all. You know, they needed someone can shouting it out. sleep powder? Yeah. <laughs> use recover, Mothra. You know, they needed that line. Um, otherwise, I, I feel like if it was healing, they would have made one of those useless scientists say it, it was because that's all they did was like, this is what's happening, guys. And then they go back into the shadows. So I feel like they would have they, they would have said it was uh, he was healing Godzilla. She, she was healing Godzilla if she was. 
But yeah, I have no idea. Like, I, yeah, I thought they were gonna. I think they did a good. They they did a good job with Godzilla in being like, this is why he's OP. Not that you needed a reason, but this is why. Um, but with and with Ghidorah, all right, lightning regeneration. Yeah, I can see why I can kick some ass. But with almost every other monster, I didn't feel any of that. I didn't feel there was a reason that they were um, even in the same league as Godzilla and, and Mothra, you know, like definitely, or uh, Godzilla and Ghidorah, because definitely Mothra, it's, you know, a beautiful creature who can stab you with his butt. That's about it. That was about <laughs> it. Oh, it, was, it was adorable, too. Yeah. Like, I, like on like a, a, a superficial way, I kind of felt for it where I think it died in that lightning blast. But it did. It did die. I was, I was like, okay. Uh, let's oh, I'm move sorry. On. No, it fainted. Mother fainted. It fainted. Okay. You know, has to get yeah. revived later. Um, See, the problem yeah. was Godzilla didn't bring his full restores. That's what the humans should have done. They should have brought full restores for everybody. <laughs> well, it felt like the mom character was the Pokemon trainer who owned uh, Ghidorah, you know, but she didn't have enough badges to control it, so it started going ham. Oh, you're you know? right. Yep, that's what. Yep, she didn't have the Earth badge. <laughs> yeah, it was you know it was Ash's Charizard. You know, just didn't give a shit. Started collecting Pokemon on its own. <laughs> was a way better trainer than her. Um, I will. Yeah. I will say this: it would have been better if they had established that Mothra could heal Godzilla, because then it would it would have been a good tag team in terms of yeah. well, Ghidorah was shown to grow ahead again after it was ripped off, so it can heal itself. So. Naturally, Godzilla would need a quote-unquote like yeah, potion. Support. He needs a support type. Yeah, I exactly, a support type. That if that would have been more clearly explained, then that would have made more sense. But it just, yeah, they, they. I think this movie suffered from the Spider-Man three problem, where there was too many antagonists and there wasn't enough time to kind of flesh out each antagonist to make them yeah. interesting. Yeah, I think that's true. So I, I think that's exactly what happened here. So I. And I don't know their logic behind this. I understand they wanted to kind of hype this movie up to be like an epic, giant battle royale. Yeah, that's all. But they I, yeah, I think it would have been a little better if they had given at least Mothra its own individual film, so we can learn a little bit more about it and care more for that monster. That's that's my opinion. What do you think? I, I mean, I don't I don't know what they could have done really, other than introduce one or two of these monsters in the previous film. And if they did, I don't remember it. But at least at least Mothra. At least Mothra should have been introduced in a pre in the in the previous film. Um saying like they have a long ancient history of having this symbiotic relationship. And even in you know death revival through a new egg, they still keep it. Something like that. Could it at least maybe by the relationship itself. Um also, I feel like they had opportunities to introduce what these monsters could do in this movie. Like, I, I, I love the introduction of Rodan, 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 but um, I, like, I don't know what else he does but flies and I don't know eats you. Like, I thought he would like spill out some like fire. I thought he would spit hot fire. He didn't spit some dylon, some dylon flow. He had no dylons in this entire movie, which I think was the biggest crime for a creature that emerged from a volcano. Like, he was covered in fire. I guess that was it. He just had this, you know, human torch effect. But he could have been so much cooler, I felt. 
Because his introduction was awesome. Just like erupting from the volcano. That was terrifying. All he did was fly over cities and he just caused a hurricane. Like, all right, that's dope. You seem like you're going to be a cool monster. And I'd also, maybe my third favorite um, shot is the clash of Rodan and Ghidorah. Where it's like ashes and ember have like this burnt orange red visual effect going on on the left side of the screen with like this dark cloudy gray with lightning streaks coming in from the right and them clashing in the middle i thought that was an awesome visual um but i just felt like Rodan didn't get a lot of uh, attributes beyond looking cool in the beginning i agree um also can we talk about the weird fascination that Japanese doctor had with Godzilla, the whole film, like even in the last film, it's like, (laughs) yeah, they don't explain it at all. He just kind of worships Godzilla. Yeah. He literally thinks of him as a God. And at one point I laughed because a part of me likes the idea of him being so monster friendly that he would always advocate for someone like Godzilla. But I think he said, we need to wait for Godzilla like at least six times and like by time four i just laugh because literally the earth like the entire planet is going to shit humans are being fucked up off screen to insane levels and they're like all right maybe we need to kill some of these monsters and he's just like we gotta wait for godzilla i'm like i feel like that's not the right like maybe you're right in the end but nothing before that has says had said that's what needed to be done so it almost felt irrational from my standpoint of him keep saying we need to wait for godzilla like maybe do something else too you know like i think i think like people are dying right now sir i'm not sure he was the zero of godzilla he was the fanboy of, of this movie that's yeah. what he was yeah. he was godzilla's biggest fan <laughs> it's that's very true he, you know all, all you want to do is hang out with zilla worship him a few more years but yeah i didn't like his character really because like he didn't offer anything else but these weird let's wait for Godzilla lines where I'm like, dude, like see the planet is fucked right now. <laughs> like you're trying like in that opening scene with him in like the congressional hearing of like we shouldn't kill all these monsters because some of them might be good. And I'm like, you know what? That's like, yeah, that can be true. But also like what's your assessment here? <laughs> like well, are you going to go to each Titan and try to evaluate how it interacts with humans before you realize, no, this one's going to conquer an entire continent. All right, you can kill this one. Like, I don't, I don't know what his ultimate plan was there. He had a really fancy questionnaire. He was going to ask each Titan, hey, man, <laughs> um, uh, on this giant chart of emojis, which one are you feeling? Is it an angry face? Yeah, this is a bad one, guys. He's pointing to the angry face. <laughs> Do you like Godzilla as well? Will you join the Godzilla Facebook fanboy page? And you know, it, exactly. yes, it's it's good. So his character was now, kind of weird. But you know, uh, R.I.P. I guess. I, I guess. But I the only part I liked him in that I thought made sense was when he had to set off the nuke to recharge Godzilla when he was walking through that ancient temple, which I think was Atlantis. I'm pretty sure they were alluding to it being Atlantis. It and felt it like was, Atlantis or some version of it. Yeah. So it was supposed to be the temple where humans used to worship Godzilla and then on the like I guess the walls they showed humans kind of coexisting with Godzilla and worshiping him and Godzilla would protect them in return so when they showed him on the staircase approaching Godzilla as he's sitting at the top of his quote-unquote throne he uh, 
it, like I guess it just it's a good parallel for the director showing okay well clearly he has the same mindset of those people from Atlantis back then and he's going to help Godzilla because he worships him I think they made that abundantly clear throughout the whole film that he worships Godzilla um, yeah I think I think that was a good way of them showing okay the symbiotic relationship is back Godzilla's you know can see that humans are there to help him as well so now he's more inclined to want to save them um, maybe I'm not saying that was exactly what they were going for but that's what I got out of it uh, so that was probably the only scene I really cared about him in um, but other than that yeah he was he's just had those same one-liners of let's wait for Godzilla or Godzilla is the only thing that can stop this or you know, I think the only other line he had was, oh, you must be, you got your wish, doctor, so-and-so. <laughs> Godzilla's finally dead. Yeah, definitely uh, Godzilla-centric entirely. Yeah. It, I mean, we kind of got that from the first film, too, when you, all his, uh, the yeah. only line he ever had was, let them fight. Uh, it was the same in this movie. So when he died by helping out Godzilla, I felt nothing, personally. I was just like, oh, okay, I see what they're trying to do there in terms of conveying him quote-unquote worshiping Godzilla like the ancestors used to do but after that I was just like all right let's move on to this final battle because again I didn't care about any of these human characters I just really wanted to see yeah. Godzilla beat some ass uh, when it came to yeah. fighting Ghidorah I'll say the only thing I really liked about that scene of him bringing a nuke to Godzilla was getting the taste for the ancient lore of Earth um I'm not really sure how all the lores have been in the older Godzilla movies, but I felt like it, a, a lot of it was um, anecdotal to nuclear testing of modern ages and, you know, how that can affect creatures and whatnot. But I like the idea of, you know, ancient society. We, we see Kong and his worshippers in almost every iteration of a Kong movie, a King Kong movie. But I haven't really seen that with Godzilla, myself at least. So I like that there was allusions to that. Um, like there, there could be a, a a prequel in sorts of the age where Titans literally did rule the Earth, and that could be cool. Like we got visions of that at least in that scene. So I like that. I like that kind of world building a little bit. Um, but also, I was kind of curious because there were shots where they showed like the Capitol buildings on fire or like decimated and. Like, it was just, like, throwaway long lines of, like, we're under martial law. I think that's a pretty big deal to be under martial law. I feel like society is no longer at all the way it was structured before this movie happened. So I feel like there's a lot to dig into with where how this is now affecting the planet and all our political systems are now no longer in place. I don't know. I saw like there was throwaway lines of, like, we're all fucked. This is the craziest shit we've ever seen in our life. But you'll actually not know what's actually happening here because the movie doesn't do a good job of showing that. Um, and I was kind of curious about it <laughs> at this point. Well, I know at some point in the film they show the after effects of the San Diego battle or San Francisco, San Diego, one of those two from the first film. And it's just it's just a desolate wasteland that has like trees growing in it now because apparently the Titans have this interesting effect <laughs> of replenishing nature yeah giant yeah yeah she, destructive yeah, battles yeah in her recap video there was a five second thing of that right yeah so i i would imagine 
that the world is a pretty desolate place after what happened in this film. Yeah. Uh, it is not the same, <laughs> which was always funny, right? <laughs> yeah. It, it, it was always funny about the original Godzilla films, too. You never questioned it because that's not why you watch the films. You have to think to yourself, man, every single movie, Tokyo's getting destroyed, man. Who's who's paying for these repairs? These taxpayers must be pissed. Yeah. Like, they, they're constantly re- re- repairing the city. I don't know how much more of this they can take, but, you know, I guess no one questions it because they're hunky-dory in the next film until it happens again. Whatever. Yeah, I mean, I, I would just love shots of, like, like literally every, every major city in the next movie is no longer really a city. You know, like, people are just living in barricaded huts. Like, that's very interesting to me. <laughs> Society has been washed from what it was. I think that's all very interesting. And, I don't know, I feel like the only humans we do focus on are the ones involved in the monsters' fights. And, yeah, maybe that's a better way to keep the movie going. But also, if, like, you're introducing them demolishing everything that we could be attached to, like the facilities in place um, that we know as humans, show some, like, you know, in the Planet of the Ape movies, you know, iconic scenes of the Statue of Liberty being torn up and tossed around and... Literally, people just living in post-apocalyptic situations. I thought that always resonated pretty well as an audience member, seeing, oh, how would I feel being a person in this situation? And I can then see that through one of these people in one of these camps, in these post-apocalyptic camps. Um, So maybe in a third movie, they'll do some of that. I think that would be a very interesting way to ground a movie in some way so that we can care about What's actually what? what who, who the Titans are in that movie, and how does it affect X character? Otherwise, you're going to get effects of people not really caring about the Titans at at question there at hand. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, I, I I could I would be fine with something like that. Um, I will kind of just keep jumping to some other stuff here before I forget it, but. One of the things I really think the film did well, and I'm sure you'll agree with me on this, is the scene where Ghidorah grows his head back, his third head, and then they show that the oxygen destroyer had no effect on him. And then they were like, well, we've never seen that before. Yeah, and they they realized, just like in the old films, Ghidorah is stated to be an alien. He comes from off-planet, from some other location. And I know the old Godzilla films have different variations where Ghidorah has different origins. I think at one point Ghidorah is like a monster that was created from an atomic blast after people from the future travel to the past to, to I guess, lay these eggs of monsters called Dorats, which, are, which is what Ghidorah is made out of, three Dorats that are fully grown after a nuclear explosion. It gets really weird. But in this film, they did a great job of showing hey, it makes sense why this creature looks so much different than any of the other Titans and can regenerate and do all this stuff. It's because he's an alien. He doesn't belong here. And this is just nature's way of fixing and correcting itself. Anything that doesn't belong, it gets rid of it because it dis- it disrupts the natural balance of things. So I thought that part of the film was really well done and it made sense biologically as well. You see that, You see that in nature too where... Uh, whether it be uh, checks and balances like every every creature having something that preys on it or um, you know it 
one fish always gets eaten by a bigger fish. That's the way nature works. It's the, it's the circle of life. So they do a really good job of showing that in this film using Ghidorah. Uh, what do you think, man? I'm, I'm half and half on that. Uh, I like the lore of um, Ghidorah is a, an alien of sorts coming down, and that's why our weapons don't really work. That's fine. Yeah, makes makes sense why oxygen doesn't really matter to this creature. But I, I just felt like it was weird because they introduced the idea of the Earth having its own defense mechanisms. And if th that monster is an alien, I would feel like... I feel like that interaction of... The monsters respond to alpha um, um, frequencies, but also the Earth has its own defenses. So I, I didn't really like how those two plot narratives interacted. Because in theory, I would feel all these monsters would then try to dispel um, Ghidorah from the planet like a virus in a body. Um, and yeah, like, it has the ability to then control the monsters. But like that part I didn't like. I don't think it was consistent with the idea of the Earth protecting itself. Because then I would feel like beyond Godzilla, more things <laughs> would have happened to try to omit Ghidorah from the Earth. So I, I like the idea of the Earth, you know, using Godzilla as its, I don't know, white blood cell to get rid of it. I just feel like it should have been more there if they're trying to tie both the Earth always tries to protect itself, but also, you know, alphas exist. I, I kind of would have liked it if, you know, all the monsters kind of turned on Ghidorah in the end, you know, like a, a full on Scar and Hyena situation um, to really demonstrate the Earth tries to protect itself. Um, so you know, I was so so that, on that. That's actually one of the things I was really hoping to see when I before I even went into the movie. I was really hoping that Godzilla, Mothra, and Rodan would team up to take down Ghidorah at the end, which is uh, logically I thought that yeah. would have been the better move. Yeah. But yeah, like you said, they they don't really do that. Um, they just have the monsters bow to Godzilla at the end, um, which is also a really weird moment because <laughs> right at the end, Rodan kind of kneels before him and then. Godzilla snickers like, "Oh, I'm about, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill you too." And then he bows his head even more, and he's like, "Okay, never mind. You, you, you yeah. you're paying respect." <laughs> so it yeah. was, it was weird. It's, it showed that Godzilla was still kind of ticked that he damaged Mothra like that, but that was as much as we got from that. But it would have been better, like you said, for the creatures to team up and take down the thing that didn't belong. Yeah. Because uh, Ghidorah is essentially like a virus, right? He's manipulating nature. Um, by being present in it like a virus would. A virus injects its genetic material into cells, science lesson for everybody, um, and just mutates everything and, and continues spreading cell by cell, uh, which is what Ghidorah essentially was in the ecosystem. He was he was a virus, um, kind of just making things really chaotic and against the natural order. Uh, so yeah, missed opportunity there for sure. Um, but... I'll I'll let you finish your your thought up on that because there's actually something I wanted to mention about post credit scene and also the oxygen destroyer. So go ahead. Um, I mean, not too much else uh, about that particular thing. I did think it was interesting. Um, like we had shots of King Kong and shots of these other creatures that existed too. So I kind of like that, just them showing a, a bunch of variety of creatures existed. Um, so I I am curious. But it's just so it's just so interesting how the interaction of the alpha frequency affects monsters, because I don't know. I felt like Rodan was just out to get his until he got his ass whooped. So I, I don't know if it's like maybe some monsters aren't just 
afflicted by a, a sense of alpha. Like maybe they need an ass whooping before they bow down. I don't know. I felt it, it yeah, was it was too like a naughty child. To, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I guess that's how, that's how he was treated at least. Um, but I, I do agree. It would have been cool to see like a, a huge team up against Ghidorah just to get that virus from out of the planet, and then they can all celebrate together. Uh, also, I'm not sure if all those monsters like traveled like hundreds and thousands of miles just to bow down to Godzilla. You know, like were they all were they already migrating by the defeat? I'm not. I feel like they were scattered throughout the world. Unless they were all like a state away or something, but that I was just kind of also, weird how they all showed up like a mammoth. I'm not sure if it's a really, uh, uh, you know, an agile creature that can get there fast. Right, and can it even swim? How did it get there? Yeah, <laughs> without swimming. I, and you know, maybe I missed where it was. Maybe it was just like in Texas or some shit. But I felt like they were showing they were all around the world, you know, and only a couple of things were actually in you know the states. So now I was like, I liked the moment, the little lion's pride moment of all the animals bowing to them to godzilla but i was like i I don't understand the logistics here like i guess game of Thrones logic you know you could be wherever you 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 need to be you you just you disappear right Mm -hmm. now i think one thing we can both agree on the way godzilla beat Ghidorah was just visually beautiful he just turned into a giant nuke yeah he turned into like flame godzilla and just dispersed giant waves of atomic energy and essentially disintegrated. It reminded me of Dragon Ball Z, going back to Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> yeah. Uh, where Goku uses Yeah, Goku uses like a spear bomb or no, when when Gohan uses a Kamehameha wave to completely disintegrate cell. That's exactly what that reminded me of. Godzilla just blows up on all levels. Like he he just erupts with atomic energy and I think he does it twice and eventually just disintegrates Ghidorah. And then you see that final shot of him coming up with the head. You're like, oh man, Ghidorah's still alive. No, it's just the head that's still alive inside Godzilla's mouth. And then Godzilla finishes it off with like an atomic blast. But that was just beautiful. Yeah. I, thought, I thought that was like, the, it was the coolest way to kill Ghidorah. Uh, yeah. I mean, you agree, right? Yeah. I um, mean, yeah. It was full on. It regenerates. Have to kill every single cell. It was definitely like Gohan v Cell or uh, Goku v Kid Buu, where yep, you had to kill every single piece. But yeah, the shot of the head still in Godzilla's mouth and he blasts that out. Then he kind of have like he has like this burp of electricity after that. I'm like, yeah, all right, that's pretty dope. That's pretty dope. Also, I like the I like the idea that the mom just kind of died off screen. You know, like <laughs> like she had her last line of like "Long live the king." And then Godzilla started doing stuff. And I felt like it was like five minutes before something happened where you're like, oh, now you, you're sure the mom definitely died in that instance. So I don't know. I felt like her off-screen death was a little weird there. But definitely a, a solid metal moment. Zilla killing uh, uh, Jidora in that final uh, that final flash move in the end. That was pretty cool. Yeah, you're, you're right. That final fight was really metal. I didn't even think of it like that until you just said it. But yeah, even that scene where Ghidorah is lifting Godzilla into the sky and then drops him and he becomes like a meteor. That, that's like the most metal scene ever. Yeah, just that was a, that? that's a Charizard move. You know, when he did that yeah, to Magmar. Yeah, seismic toss. Yeah, seismic toss. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even think of that. Yeah, he <laughs> seismic tossed Godzilla. It was super effective. Yeah, yeah, that looked pretty cool. It, it was... A, it was a little disturbing, too, because after that moment, they just show Ghidorah wrapping his heads around Godzilla and just, like, biting him, and Godzilla's kind of screaming. 
Was he trying to eat Godzilla at that point? Because that's pretty disturbing. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I felt like he was trying to get the final throat blow or something. But, yeah. Yeah, could be. I also like the idea of an alpha within the alpha. Like, the middle head was the alpha of the heads. Like, it would bite the other ones when they weren't doing exactly what they wanted to do. Weird. I don't know how that, that creature actually interacts with itself. But uh, that was a little interesting. Well, it just doesn't know how to. It, that's why it's always fighting with itself. It's like, hey, man, stop punching yourself. <laughs> stop hitting yourself. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, coolest way to end that fight. Um, and then just to kind of wrap things up here, uh, I do like what they did to set up a viable threat that's a bigger one than Ghidorah because at the – well, two things. These are the two things I wanted to mention. The Oxygen Destroyer, very, very small part in the film. Uh, used to attack Godzilla and then you see all the fish float up because it kills everything in the surrounding area that relies on oxygen. That goes back to one of the original Godzilla movies called Godzilla vs. Destroya. And Destroya in those movies was a direct result of the oxygen destroyer being used to kill Godzilla, failing, and then because of that it has this weird effect on the crustacean species that live in the ocean. And then it transforms into this monster known as Destroya. And the cool thing about that movie is that I believe in that film Godzilla actually dies. Uh, he He's able to defeat Destroya, but then he, he, he goes nuclear and self-destructs. But at the end of that film, a new Godzilla is reborn from the, I guess, the ashes of the old one that blew up. Um, so they could definitely go in that direction for a sequel where... The next big bad that's an even bigger threat than Ghidorah is something that was created from their abuse of technology. Because the whole Godzilla movie is like a, it's like an allegory. It's a cautionary tale for the nuclear weapons that were used in Japan back in World War II and the dangers that human technology can bring. So I would love for them to do the destroyer route. Maybe that could be a creature that, you know, Kong or... Godzilla or any of the other Titans can team up to defeat. That would be cool to see. And then you have that post credit scene where uh, the Ghidorah head is uncovered by the guy who plays uh, whatever his name, Lannister in Game of Thrones. Um, they could do several things with that because I know in the film they mentioned that that organization has been collecting DNA from the creatures. So he could legit just clone Ghidorah and bring Ghidorah back. Or they can do Mecha Ghidorah, which would be sillier, but it has happened in the <laughs> yeah. previous Godzilla films. That yeah, maybe like they they infuse it with tech, um, like Mecha Godzilla, and it becomes even more powerful because of all these enhancements. So they they have room to do a bunch of really cool stuff. They could even say something like, "Oh well, we've collected DNA from the other Titans, and we're going to splice them with Ghidorahs." DNA to make like some weird Mewtwo creature where it's just like super OP because it contains the best attributes of every Titan. I'm looking at UDBZ again with Cell being a culmination of the DNA of every great fighter. But yeah, they, they, they have a lot of room to work with. I'm hoping, again, I didn't hate this movie. I, I got exactly what I wanted out of it with monster fights. I wasn't expecting all of it to make sense. But I'm hoping that there's an upward trajectory with these films that they learn. Because it, it seems like they learn from their mistakes, right? Godzilla, the first one, people wanted to see more of Godzilla. So they, they kind of took that into account with this one. 
albeit at the cost of bad character development or non-existing character um, motivations. But I'm hoping I'm hoping they learn their lesson as they go, and that they continue to bring these really cool creatures that we grew up with to a better light. Because let's all be honest, the first Godzilla we ever saw was the '98 version, and that was that was just atrocious. That was blasphemy. That wasn't even Godzilla. So we're slowly but surely making up for it. At least I think so. So really, th those are those are some really cool things that I thought they dropped on us for potential sequels. Or maybe something we might even see in Kong versus Godzilla coming out, I think, in 2020, right? Yeah. Yeah. So those are my closing thoughts, man. What are yours? Um, I mean, I'll probably have a couple here. Uh, yeah, this, this movie, it definitely underwhelmed me. I say it definitely did respond to the criticism of the previous movie. where There was a lack of monsters, so they did the exact opposite and said monster after monster after monster. But now I almost feel like that was to the detriment because they had so many of them. And in theory, that's awesome and cool. But it kind of took away the attributes that could have made some of the other supporting cast of monsters cool, like Mothra and Rodan. So maybe they can split the difference there and you know leave enough time to at least develop a handful of humans that we care about. Because they had at least 20 on screen. I don't know what any of them are doing. Like If you're going to have that many people, they might as well be important. But they didn't feel that way. Um, hey man, we had Ice Cube's son, O'Shea Jackson. He yeah. was in it. He had maybe six or you know five lines, which was just like one-off expositions or responses. Um, yeah, I don't think he was he was greatly used. But yeah, I, I I would just rather them find some kind of balance of actually write a story that if you're going to have humans in it, make me care, you know. Make me care that there's humans here. Um, and that way, when badass Titan stuff happens, uh, you know, above everyone else, that I care about people who are going to die below them, you know. So I hope that happens. Um, they're definitely going to do some kind of cloning thing with Ghidorah. Uh, uh, I, I feel like they're going to end up doing a trope where in King Kong versus Godzilla... They'll fight as as adversaries in the beginning. Then at some point in Act Three, they'll both realize there's a bigger terror than them. They'll combine forces and defeat, you know, Mecha, Clone, Ghidorah, or something that oxidized ox oxygen destroyer weapon um, caused to. Um, which I I did not like that weapon only because it literally came out of nowhere. I don't know if they introduced this in the first film. Maybe I missed it. But I feel like in the middle of the Rodan v. Ghidorah battle, they just like, like, hey, by the way, we have the crazy new weapon. Um, It's coming to you right now. Bye. And then it was there. It blew up. I'm like, what? where did that happen? Like, there's no buildup. There's no impending doom and threat. I, it just came out of nowhere. Um, That was a little weird. But hopefully it serves a purpose. It's just weird because if that does serve a purpose of generating a new monster... Then I feel like they lost an opportunity for it to feel more impactful because it's easy to even forget about that movie. But um, I'm hopeful, definitely hopeful for uh, what um, the next movie could do. Uh, I, I just want some badass monster fights with some compelling uh, human drama in the background at least. But, uh, you know, if, if we don't get that... I'll, I can settle for good graphics. 
but yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty much my <laughs> that's that's my my best case scenario. Good graphics, decent monster fights, um, and yeah, that's about it. Yeah, so I you know I'm I'm hopeful for King Kong versus Godzilla, but you know I I now have measured hopes with, with what this movie showed me. I feel like what I feel like it'll be it might be passable, but it's uh it uh it, it won't be it won't be the greatest thing I ever see. Yeah. So what? So do you have any any hopes of King Kong versus Godzilla? Like any uh, projections of what that movie might look like? I think they're gonna sufficient sufficiently hype it up like they did for this movie. Um, I do think because they use different directors every time. I don't. I thought Michael Daltrey. I would like I said I felt really good about him being the director for this film, but even then there was some really big issues. So I don't really know what to expect from Kong versus Godzilla. Obviously, Kong has the benefit of having his own standalone film already to kind of base his yeah. origins on, so it it will have a little more substance to it. But in terms of what I expect people to like the movie, I think it's going to be really split down the middle because. You have Godzilla being the main king in this one, and then you had King Kong, and you have giant fan bases behind both of those titans, both of those characters. So I don't think we're going to get a satisfying ending. There's going to be people who are going to be displeased with the outcome because obviously they want one to win over the other. The only way I see them fixing that for the next film is if they have to team up to take something else down. So... If that does happen, then I think that that has the potential to be the best movie because they've had two already, actually three, to base, you know, to see what they did right, what they did wrong. So I think they have that to their benefit. But it really depends on how the ending plays out for Kong versus Godzilla that will determine its success. Um, what, what, what do you think, man? Um, I'm actually way less worried about how they resolve who will win that battle. Because I like I alluded to this earlier, but I do think they're going to team up in the end to defeat uh, a third party who's a threat to both of them. But I I I just think the problems are going to lie in us and them making us care about who's involved. So even if the humans are at the forefront, that's fine. It's monster movies, but if they if they're involved, smartly include them. Um, if they have supporting monster characters. Also, let us care about them, too. I didn't give a shit about Mothra. I wanted to give a shit about Mothra. It was adorable and beautiful. And, you know, I guess it was boot thing to Godzilla. But if you're going to introduce those kind of monsters, write them in a way where I would care about them. So, uh, you know, yeah, I feel like they'll, they'll have some kind of weird alpha conflict between the king and the god. And they'll duke it out, and they'll, they'll find something else to fight about. They won't, con- they, it won't, it will not be conclusive of who would win, you know, full-grown Kong or Godzilla? They'll have, it'll pretty much be split in how it's depicted who actually won. You know, it's like the, it's, it'll almost be like Freddy versus Jason up until Jason kind of, you know, cut the head off of Freddy. But it, <laughs> you know, I hope it's at least a better movie than Freddy versus Jason. If I have any hopes, at least be better than Freddy versus Jason. At least You're be telling me you don't have a soft spot for Alien Freddy versus, versus Jason? I mean, okay, the, no, that movie the, is terrible. <laughs> the eleven-year-old in me enjoyed the lore of those two clashing. 
But even the 11-year-old me back then did not like that movie. Um, also, Alien vs. Predator was pretty subpar. There, there hasn't been a lot of... I, don't, I can't think of a solid um, IP, VIP movie. You know, maybe Ginger Dead Men vs. The Evil Bong. Maybe that's the best out of all of them. But that, Which that's we all will be of. reviewing. Oh, yeah, we We're have Definitely to. reviewing Ginger Dead Man versus Evil Bong. <laughs> yeah, it, at least right before uh, Kong v. Zilla. Right before that happens, we'll, we'll, we'll drop Dead versus Bong. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I, I, have, I have very, uh, I don't know, subpar hopes for Kong versus Zilla. I, I think it'll be, at best, what this movie offered. Um, which, even at its worst, is at least entertaining as a as a summer flick but nothing really else no no tr- no true sub- uh, substance there um are there any monsters they didn't introduce um in this movie that you're aware of that you would want to see in the next one you mentioned a couple of them yeah i think the biggest ones are destroya like i mentioned uh and then the mechas i know there's a huge fan base behind mecha godzilla and i think <laughs> I like in the actual <laughs> It's just it seems silly, right? But I, it, it I'm being serious. In the older films, I think that was actually one of the actual opponents that did real damage to Godzilla, which was yeah. Mecha Godzilla. Yeah, so, so I've been VHS in my house somewhere. It was so yeah. silly, though. And he's one of the fan favorites, so it wouldn't I wouldn't put it past him to try to incorporate that character into the story somehow. But there's also some sure. pretty bad ones, like Space Godzilla. Which I just didn't really like at all. Um, so I hope yeah. they don't go that route. Besides, we've already had like Ghidorah come from space, so it would just lose yeah, its effect. It's pretty redundant. It wouldn't be as yeah, it'd be very redundant. But I think other than that, I, I don't see them really going for any other any other characters. Yeah, yeah, they introduce a like a lot of significant ones in this one. And I feel like they didn't use all of them to the best of their ability. Um. Yeah, I don't know too much about Destroya, but that that sounds pretty cool. Uh, the mechas are pretty big, but man, I don't want to see them. They're so like, yeah, it's it's like when they introduce like Mecha Cooler and Mecha Frieza and stuff. Where I'm like, man, this is this is some silly shit. I am not, I am not on board with any of this, and they'll probably do <laughs> but it. They're because, so shiny. <laughs> I mean, they're yeah, they're shiny. They're you know, you know Godzilla two thousand. You know, like you know, you you can. They, they could be marketable, but I, I I don't want robotic titans right now. I'm not I'm not ready for that personally. Um, I, I do yeah. think Zilla and Kong will survive that that conflict, and I think there'll be movies after that. Um, and I think they could do cool things with like a Son of Kong idea at least. Um, but yeah, you know, I I I would also be totally fine if they stopped the franchise after Kong versus Zilla. Um, but you know, that's only because I'm not too invested in it. I'm I'm totally cool with a this being the final conflict, this being like their civil war kind of thing. Plus, they do kind of hint at the Titans gathering at Skull Island at the end of this Godzilla film when they start showing the newspaper articles. Yeah, yeah, they talk uh, that a lot. As... Skull Island being like, I don't know, like like the Eve, like like the Garden of Eve, of Eve almost uh, the central yeah. point for all monsters. So it's. Yeah, it'll, it'll be. Uh, yeah, I think for some reason I, I just feel like there might be a split. Like maybe Kong might have enough alpha juice to get some monsters on his side. You know, it, it would almost be kind of cool if they all had their own little squad. <laughs> you know, like if we're gonna go full on just 
let's just have monsters fight other monsters. Like if Kong has his squad and Zilla has his, I would almost be okay with that. I really would. This movie was just a really prettier version of that. I think it was a Pixar or Dream. No, it was a DreamWorks film, Monster versus Aliens. You remember that? I I did not watch that movie. Although I do, I am aware of its of its existence. That's essentially what Godzilla King of the Monsters was. It's just mm. a far more uh, beautifully done version of Monsters versus Aliens. Fair enough. I kept thinking about also, Peter Jackson's King Kong. I feel like, man, that movie's so much better than this one. I I would almost take a Peter Jackson version of uh, the next movie. I really hated that movie. I'll be honest with you. I mean, that's um, that's fine. I felt like it could have been ninety minutes shorter, but man, I I think that even the visuals there were so much cleaner. Where I, I felt like you, you knew what was going on in every single scene. And while I did like the first battle between Godzilla and Ghidorah, there was so much like I don't know cloud coverage and smoke and ashes where. Couldn't always tell what was like it had some transformer issues at the time. Um but I, I I liked the Skull Island visuals in themselves. So seeing Godzilla in Skull Island could be pretty cool, just from an aesthetic, bright lit scene um standpoint. Yeah. And one little snippet I wanna leave the audience with, and I don't you know, let us know if you remember this as a kid. You too, Randy. Uh when I used to live in my hometown of Philadelphia, shoutouts to Philly. I uh, I had to spend the the summers with my grandmother. She would always let me watch the old Hanna Barbera cartoons on Cartoon Network, and one of them was Godzilla, which was this really weird version where humans had this device that they could use to call Godzilla, and they even had Godzilla's son on their ship called Godzuki, um, and they would press this button in every episode and summon Godzilla to fight for them. I feel like. That was essentially Orca in this movie. It was that device being used to quote-unquote call or summon Godzilla to come and save the day. So I did get some uh, some nostalgia, some heavy nostalgia from this movie. So there's definitely some bias on that end. But yeah, sure. that's, the, that's the last thing I wanted to mention. It really reminded me of that old Godzilla cartoon, um, summoning Godzilla to fight the big baddies for them. I never got into that cartoon too much. I did, I did um, watch some of it. Uh, but my first introduction to Godzilla were like my dad's VHS tapes from like I think he had pretty much every single Godzilla movie. So by the time we got to like the nineteen ninety eight New York shitty Godzilla, I've already seen most of the Godzillas before that. So I I, I was not a fan of how that one looked. Um, but yeah, I mean yeah, that's why even though I didn't like this movie too much, and I definitely didn't like the twenty fourteen one, I'm still gonna watch the Zilla versus Kong one because the the kid in me wants to see these IPs with updated graphics, you know. Um, like I, I remember scenes of the old King Kong movies and he would throw a boulder and it would literally hit a wall and not like in the movie, like in the movie, it, sh- it should have kept going, but you can tell there was like a green screen and it actually hit the green screen and bounced off. So, you know, I accepted it back then to watch those kind of movies, but to watch those IPs today, I can't not give money to that. So I definitely have nostalgia, um, bias as well. And that. You know, it, it didn't really work as well, even, even with that bias. But they'll get my money for the next one. I'll watch um, an ape fight a lizard in a place called Skull Island for two and a half hours. And I'll stay for the post credits because this is their monster verse. And I feel like they're not going to stop as long as they 
um, you know, are in the black for these films. I think this one did pretty well this weekend in the box office, so I don't think they're going to stop it anytime soon. It did. I think I read an article where it said it it's number one in the box office and it's made, I think, $49 million already, even though they're projecting it to lose quite a bit of steam. I know it was a $200 million budget, so hopefully they at least make some profit so we get a conclusion. Oh, yeah. I would hate for the hype to be there and then we never get the Kong versus Godzilla you know movie and then we're stuck with that really shitty black and white version that you mentioned earlier that would be still the only movie we have with those two ever clashing so hopefully that doesn't happen I'm hoping <laughs> I almost want a shot by shot remake of that movie because it was so ridiculous like there was a point where King Kong got electric powers because of like some power pole and I guess Godzilla was weak against electricity in that movie. It, it was the most ridiculous thing I've seen, even as a kid. Um, I don't know what the production um, process is right now, or not process, but like where they are in the production with Zilla versus Kong. But it comes out within a year, so I would I would think they're already they they've already invested capital into it. So I, I'm not too worried about us not getting that movie. But I do think if this one doesn't make enough profit, then yeah, that that definitely might be the last one. Um, but only if they don't make money. I feel like as, as soon as they make a dollar over what they spent in marketing and production, they're going to keep turning them out. Because, uh, you know, what other verse is there out there that's competing with the MCU? I feel like the DCEU has died down to standalone movies. I don't know what that mummy vampire dark world verse is doing anymore. But this is the only other, you know, multi-movie um series out there so i kind of like that i kind of like that there's other um, multi-universe movies out there but hopefully uh, the next one does it justice um any other final thoughts on this movie yes just one more thing i really wanted to praise this movie on uh was the uh, music the uh, the score they used the old godzilla theme from yeah. the original japanese films in it 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 got me super hyped. I was very happy to hear it. Uh, it was it was a great homage to the older films, and even with the newer music, like the theme they played for Ghidorah when he was first introduced, with the the chanting in the background and the the slow drums and the bass. Oh man, it it got me sufficiently hyped and terrified of Ghidorah. So shout outs to the composer. I can't quite remember his name right now, but. I did see the making of video on YouTube and everyone just looked like they were having tons of fun making it and I definitely felt it and it really helped out the movie when it came to those battles. So shout outs to the entire team that did the music for Godzilla King of the Monsters. You did a beautiful job and I will just be listening to those songs anytime I'm studying or working out or whatever, walking my dogs, I'm going to be playing those songs. So. Yeah, good job, guys. Thank you so much for taking an old score and adding new breath and new life into it. So, Yeah, shout out to the score for sure. All right. Well, that's going to conclude our review of Godzilla King of the Monsters. Um, Stay tuned to what we'll be reviewing next. I do think we have uh, Barry Season 2 on our timeline to review. But until then... Uh, feel free to reach out to us at afterTheActPodcast at gmail.com. 
Find us on our SoundCloud page and Spotify at After the Act. And all hail the king. All hail the king, baby.